So I think it's wildly important that organizations really see customer service isn't just a function. It actually is, should be like the foundation of your org. And I want a good show, damn it. Great, good show. Doing awesome, yeah. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you. Thank you for Yes. Welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I am your host, as usual, Andrew Maff, and today I am joined by the amazing Darren Major, who is the voice of customer over at Harry's. Darren, how you doing? You ready for a good show? Yeah, Andrew. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Busy day, but all the time to talk to brilliant people. So let's go. Aw, appreciate that. Uh, so stereotypical way to approach every podcast and I apologize, but let's do the normal thing and let's pretend that no one knows who you are and yes. anything about your background or anything about Harry's and, and let's start it off from there. Okay. Sure. Uh, name is Darren Major, as you said, pronouns he and they, um, I've been in customer experience. I would have to say pretty much most of my working life, uh, from college needed a job to pay the bills and customer service was a great foray into me not being on the streets. And through there, I found the great opportunity for me to connect with people, troubleshoot. And so it took me from the um, corporate office of Georgia Power in Georgia to help during deregulation to various other corporations. And then I jumped into the startup world. And that's when my energy really kicked up because I got a chance to be fully Darren. Um, yet no day was the same. Like you and I shared before this, um, there's always an emergency, but not an emergency that pops up that we need to address. And then I found my way to Harry's. Actually, tomorrow will be my three-year anniversary here. Um, I came as a supervisor for the CX team for Flamingo, our women's care brand. And then we decided to merge our CX orgs about a year and a half ago. And so now I get a chance to be a co-lead with my amazing um, partner, Zumi, and lead up customer experience here. But my larger role is voice of the customer. So I get a chance to – I love storytelling. I love talking. Um, so I get a chance to take data – and customer antidotes and marry that and come up with product in, product insights, um, service updates, anything about our customer story that I can use and add a number to it. It helps our research team, our marketing team, our brand team all see exactly where our customers are. And I get a chance to play a pivotal role in that. So I can't imagine myself doing much else because it just kind of checks <laughs> all the boxes for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of the the uh, different people that we have that listen to this podcast, right? There could be e-commerce sellers that are kind of just starting off. They could be all the way up to you know nine figure brands. Voice of customer is not a, especially for, let's say sub eight figure brand, not that common of a role to have in. However, an extremely important role that I think is always kind of overstepped and and no one pays attention to. Overall, yeah. customer experience is like really all we've got. So for you to be kind of the gatekeeper of it is awesome. Explain to me like your, I don't want to necessarily day, say day to day because I know it's very different, but like, what are you overseeing? How are you evaluating data for a customer? How are you kind of adjusting the overall experience to make sure that it's just consistently being improved? 
Yeah, a thousand percent. So my first step is always I tell my team um, that they're my boss. So my CXAs give me my marching orders of what the customers have told them that is important to them that we might be missing. And so the first step of that was helping them understand that they're not just having interactions and emails. They're gaining insights to create relationships with our customers. And if you hear the same thing three times, my, my assumption is there's another 10 customers that just haven't reached out. So teaching them how to gain those insights and be able to attach those to trends. We've seen the same customers from this state with this same kind of issue. And so it's wildly important, first of all, to empower the CX team to feel like they're not just, I always say, just, just shoveling poop. Like you are literally there to be the, the, the voice of the customer yourself. And I get the opportunity to tell them, say, give me what you know. And I'll be able to take what I know and blend it with some things from our insights team. So I think it's wildly important that organizations really see customer service isn't just a function. It actually is should be like the foundation of your org. While you want your brand and marketing to be able to say, this is where our customer is, truth is your customers are the ones that are actually reaching out and engaging with you. So that's the ones that I think that we need to have most interaction with. And so it's important to make that like a center point of any business, be it six-figure or you know five-figure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would completely agree. When you talk to like, and it's a, in fact, it's it's something that uh, <clears throat> I find e-commerce sellers are always very guilty of, right? Like you're so in depth in the business and you're so entrenched in everything going on that you kind of forget what it's like to be a normal just consumer. Even when <laughs> yeah. you're shopping, you don't think through like how normal people would do this and uh, normal loosely. But like uh, if you're going through the shopping process and, you know, and you start asking customers like, hey, what is it you liked about, you know, what do you like about this business? It's always I love the product or and or uh, it was great customer experience situation that I was in. Um, whether it was negative or positive, it always worked out well in the end kind of thing. It's rarely like, oh, I loved their ads. And right. So I decided exactly. to shop with them. The ads are just there to like remind you of stuff and the customer experience and the product is what keeps them coming back. So it's, you know, it's, it's awesome to hear like, you know, kind of that direction that you kind of keep the team maintained and in, in, in the direction of when you're yeah. getting that feedback. So you then basically reallocate that that concept to your marketing team or you know some mm-hmm. kind of like DevOps team. Like what's what's that approach like? Yeah. So what the approach was like we the goal was for like I mean an efficient customer experience team. It's more proactive. So what has happened is we've pivoted from um, the brand team or marketing or packaging doing anything without customer experience being part of the conversation. You need somebody from CX to say all right, well, this packaging might not work well. And here's some examples of customers who've reached out and said they weren't able to get in the package easily. We've all gotten um, a package from Amazon when they say ship it without the box. And it comes in that plastic um, death trap where you have to use a pair of scissors and a hacksaw to get into it. That's a, To me, that's an experience with no one has reached out to the customer experience team and said, what are customers saying about our packaging? So I think it is like getting CX involved further up in the funnel. Like it shouldn't be so reactive, but hearing those conversations. And so my product team, they don't do anything as far as new sense or new emotions until they come to CX and say, what have customers have said about our current thing? Our brand team, we do an initiative, be it around pride or um, a new product launch. They come to CX and say, what happened with the class launch? And what kind of insights can you get? So I think it is like, um, getting get, getting that team involved earlier in the process. So it is, feels like it's more organic, able to be able to pivot and make those changes along the way. So also when you do launch it, your CX team is prepared to answer, to talk, talk about it as if they're experts on it. So there's an authenticity that comes through because they've been involved in the full process. Not like I'm just regurgitating what is from a one from one sheet. I'm like, no, I was there from the beginning. And I can now give you these insights into what I've seen 
and how this product can best use you, um, be, be best used for you. How are you kind of like compiling that data? Is there a certain platforms you use? Are you kind of oh. just got a different way to do it? Is it like a word cloud thing? Like what's, what's that? We, we, we live and breathe over here by Looker. Um, I'm being data minded is something that I adopted maybe about within the last 10 ish years. I always like, Oh, I just, I can tell stories and to pull basic things from our CRM gladly, but then no digging into Looker, being able to get, um, the raw data and being able to chop it up and move it in a way we can pull out the actionable things. So Looker's a big friend of mine. Give me an Excel spreadsheet and I am happy to create pivot tables and all that stuff. So it is getting those platforms in place, but also I have a dope BI team who I can pretty much ask them any question and through those liquor, liquor tendrils and anything they need to connect, they'll be able to pull the data that I need to be able to tell a story that I need to be able to share. So it is like partnering with the different uh, business teams, my accounting team. I want to know how many refunds we had in the past 15 days for this product. Um, and what, what credit cards do you put those refunds to? How are our PayPal transactions happening? So it is like a partnership in a lot of ways. But I think for me personally, um, I get regular looker reports. I get um, updates from our CRM of what are, what are the refund spikes like. Looking at what topic applications um, my team, we every interaction comes through, they assign tags or topics to it. So we know what the interaction was about without having to read the whole email. So if you don't pull those yeah. scheduled reports, get the report and I can see exactly where I need to focus my attention for that day. That's awesome. So when you take that kind of feedback, how, uh, this is just genuine curiosity. Yeah. When you go to provide that feedback, which obviously sounds like in many cases can be negative feedback from the customers mm -hmm. on something we need to fix. How do you go about relaying that information to the required teams to tell them like, Hey, like they're not loving it. <laughs> yeah, you know what it is. Um, I always Tread like, <laughs> definitely because some things are precious. But I always leave with people. I tell people uh, they're we one of our our our, um, our mascot used to be mammoth. So one of the phrases we use in the office is there are no sacred mammoths. There's nothing we can do that is truly ours. It belongs to the larger good. So always leading in with like what went well. What are the great things the customers are saying? And I don't say negative. I usually say like, here's our opportunities to do it better, do it better the next time. And here are some ways I want to partner with you to make sure that we avoid some of these missteps the next time. And then just be able to give them like that real time feedback. So it's like celebrating the wins, recognize where we could have been better and then look at the obstacles or challenges as ways to say, okay, so next time we know that this packaging or this color, or this, 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 this conversation could have gone different with these kinds of insights. But one of the biggest things is I like talking to the customer. So if you, Andrew, were to reach out to my team and say, this was horrible and the survey comes through like that. I want to get on the phone with you because I want to one, let you know that I heard you. And two, I want to get into the details. When you say horrible, what is horrible? Define that for you and yeah. give me some specific details. And then of course, you know, I want to reward you for your insights because you didn't have to do it. And I appreciate you being honest with your feedback and also honest with your um, insights to me. And then, you know, seeing some Harry's products that help you regain trust that we hear you, see you want to make sure that you know that we got dope products for everyone. Yeah. It's really interesting. Even from like just a strictly marketing perspective, I find post-purchase to be the biggest mistake a lot of e-commerce sellers make. They spend so much time yeah. trying to get someone to convert. And then they once they actually convert, they just like, it's like a one night stand. Just let them go. And then that's it. So post-purchase, uh, from a marketing perspective, obviously there's a ton of stuff you can do to get them to come back. But from a CX perspective, 
are you like, what's that process like? Is there like surveys you have in place? Are you like waiting X amount of time and requesting reviews or like, what's, what's that like? Yeah. So you get two reviews from, um, if you purchase from Harry's, we send out um, a survey um, about three days after your purchase to let you know, to see, get your insights on how it happened. If you reach out to our customer service service team within 24 hours, you get an email because we want to get that real time feedback because we all know that, we want, to meet, we want to meet you where you are because word of mouth is the sweetest gift that a customer can ever give you. And it can also be you know, a hatchet to your good works. And so wanting to reach you when you're having the friction or the tension because it could be a simple misunderstanding. It could have just been USPS just did not deliver on the promises they gave to us. Want to find out what are your, what are your friction points real time before you go to your Twitter followers or to you go to your, your, um, your community group and say, listen, I bought these Harry's razors and blah, 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 blah. I want to avoid the noise before it becomes too loud. I'd much rather somebody say, I got this package. They sent a survey and you know what? Some guy named Darren called and asked me some questions that were specific to my needs. So I feel like this is a brand that cares. So that like, to your point, that post purchase conversation, that post purchase interaction it truly is that. That's how you build loyalty. They're, co- they're companies that I'm endeared to forever because they took care of me over the small things. I'll, I'll shout out like Zappos. Bought a pair of shoes, thought I got the right size, didn't work out. Reached out to the customer service team, and they were like, well, let me send you out two sizes, one up, one down, and whatever doesn't work, just return the other ones without me having to do anything. I was like, that's insane because it was a discounted purchase. It could have been very, very easy. Like here's here's twenty dollars go away, but the fact they cared enough to make sure that I had the right fit, I tell anybody is that if I need shoes, that's the first place I check because I know that if there's something not great, they're going to put themselves in a position to help me get it right. So great example because now I've got a question that that teed me up, and I appreciate you doing <laughs> that. So the the big thing that I you know. I speak to a lot of e-commerce sellers that are usually in like the seven figure annually range, right? So we're watching every single penny that's going out the door and they want to know why, et cetera. So in a Zappos situation, very large company, they can afford to do aspects like that. But it's also one of those things that it's very difficult to tie an ROI to that and make it justifiable. However, it clearly improves the customer experience, allowing people to come back, which improves your returning customer rate. So there's kind of two different ways to look at it. How do you, when you're going through those larger steps that you're going to take for customers, like in your example for what Zappos did for you, how are you evaluating how you know profitable that may be, what the ROI around it might be, or is it really around more like we are very clear that you know the customer experience needs to just consistently be improved for us to have longevity. And so we're just going to do what it takes. Like, is there any kind of financial yeah. backing to it? There is. So we actually, it's the, going back to like using data to support the conversation, we look at um, customer's first order. And if they did contact customer experience, what was their order behavior after that? And we've seen consistently customers that reach out to my amazing customer experience team tend to return as customers because of that brand of loyalty. And so we're okay with telling the customer experience team, like we used to have a really hard set metrics. If the order is this, refund this. If the order is this, do that. And we we imploded that. I'm like, that's rigid. That's not really authentic or organic. So now it is like the team is taught. Go into a customer's account. 
see how they've ordered, see what they've ordered, see what their contact history is like. It is literally every every interaction is building a relationship, and the ROI will come. Now, of course, you know there are customers that will abuse. Get that. I think that's the loss of the thing. But I think by and large, when you meet customers in beautiful ways to address the problems, they're always going to come back. It is it's like the products that we sell. They're things that the majority of people need. We need to we need to shower. Some folks need to shave. Um, hairstyle, things like that. And so making sure that we know that our products are something that is widely usable, but also we want to make sure that um, customers know that you have, an, you have an issue. We want to make sure that you'll know that you have a team that's ready to respond to you. And also, we, we haven't seen that. Like, we, we pull the numbers. We see that our average refund amount gets reduced, but our average number of replacements has increased. So we look at those kind of numbers, like people who are not looking for money, but who actually want the mm-hmm. product. And we, I tell the team, I said, lead with that. If you got uh, a body wash and the customer said, I didn't care for the fragrance. You know what? Sorry you had that experience. I'm going to send you out a variety pack so you can smell all the different fragrances. And then also reach out back to me if you have any questions. And we see those customers time over time, get the variety pack, and then come back and order a different fragrance of the body wash. Same thing with lotions. Send them something that you have different to help say, well, it's not the product you don't like, but it's this thing. Here's a, here's a way to fix it. So I think the ROI always comes in further down the line, but it's not like an immediate fix. You start just noticing the same names coming through, the same yeah. order about it's coming through. How do you control that through like other channels, right? Like if they're coming directly through your website, they're going through your own platforms, you're controlling all that data, that kind of stuff. How do you control that same concept if you're selling on, you know, let's say like an Amazon, like you referenced before? Yeah. So like with, with Amazon, Amazon handles all of our customer experience um, themselves and they, they follow our same guidelines. But like we sell also in Target, oh, wow. a lot of retail stores. And so you can purchase in retail and, you know, the average response would be like, go back to Target. That's, they, they took your money. You figured it out with them. We're more like, well, Target might not have the options that we have on the website. So we treat every customer. If you have a product, we don't care where you got it from. Uh, we don't care how you came about. If you got if you got it from your uncle's brother's next door neighbor and you didn't care for the blades, you tried it. We will make sure that you, we know we have good stuff. So we will make sure you get the good thing in your hand. So we meet every customer as if they are Harry's customer, regardless of where the coins went, because it is really about just creating that loyalty. Like I said, we, we notice our, our retail team has mentioned that they've seen um, the stores that mentioned some demographics where customers have migrated over to DTC because they know wider product selection, ready access to customer experience team, secure transactions, um, all of those bits and pieces, sometimes discounts the retailer might not have. So we kind of go hand in parcel. If we don't have it, we'll find a target in your area that does have it. If target doesn't have it, we're happy to get that replacement to you or get that product sent to you. Can't afford it, have it processed at a discount. We want to get the thing in your hands because you're asking for it. If you go through the trouble, call the 800 number, you're somebody who's looking to get use of the product. If you're not looking for money, I want, I want to shave. I want to smell good. I want some deodorant. Yeah. Who, who, who am I to say no? I mean, within reason, my accounting team is always like, hey, Darren. (laughs) Well, actually, so that was exactly what my next question was. Like, how do you approach people that are trying to game the system? I think, you know, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of the sellers we'll talk to are are typically like, you know, sub eight figures. So a lot of it, they're watching every penny and then they get one customer that like just wants to fight to fight. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. How do you approach that type of customer where it's, it's clearly just not appropriate those, for the way the, that they're the, handling it. Those, those are the ones where, we're, where we, we, we have lovely candid conversations where um, it, it, <laughs> I think it's okay. It's okay for businesses and brands to be able to say, you know what, Andrew, I don't think you're our customer. 
Um, we appreciate your business. It looks as if what you need from us, we're not able to deliver. And be, provide them some other options of how they can service that business. Because one, my CX team, every contact, every contact turns into, it's already, our cost for contact is around like $11, $12. So we're already losing that money up the front. Someone who's just called again for constant replacements and refunds, um, we know that someone who's like, you to your point, gaming the system. So we actually, within our, um, our order management tool, customers are flagged. If it is someone that is a habitual refunder or replacement user, we know who those persons are, and they go to a specialized team of people who have high EQ, people who are yeah. skilled at navigating treacherous, treacherous situations. We're able to say, we're happy to send this to you one last time, but we know what we're going to need a different address. So it is like not straight out calling them um, a user or user of the system, but saying, oh, you have an issue with delivery? You have a different address. We're happy to send it to you, but it has to be a different address. So not completely disregarding them because it could very well just be you know, if you live. I live in New York City. My my post my postal worker. I think sometimes has a vendetta against me because packages <laughs> come and go as they see fit. But I think it is like being honest, meeting where they are. Like we see you we see what you're doing, but we don't want to call you anything other than a, a customer who's uncertain. So yeah. how do we meet you where you are? And ship it to a different address. If you're constantly needing a replacement for this thing, so maybe this isn't the best product for you. Happy to ship it to you one more time, but unfortunately, won't be able to process a refund for that. So being upfront and honest creates like a level of integrity that I think the customer who might be abusing the system will be aware. All right, Harry's ain't having it. A customer who is actually having issues with the mail carrier, you'd be like, oh, I didn't think about having it sent to my job. Thank y'all. That makes sense. I'll have it sent to my next door neighbor. I have it sent to my mom's house, something like that. So just putting all the options out there, but also just having a high amount of EQ to be able to say that, yeah, yeah this, this feels off. That's awesome. Darren, thank you so much for being on the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you've got tons of fires to put out. Um, <laughs> but obviously, really appreciate you being here. I'd love to give you the opportunity to let everyone know where they can find out more about you and, of course, more about Harry's. Um, sure. Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn, Darren J. Major um, on LinkedIn. Um, Harry's.com, shopflamingo.com. We also have a couple different brands, Lumi, the deodorant company, um, and also Cat Person. So we've got lots of brands that are incubated under Harry's Inc. Um, and we're everywhere, retail, online, Amazon. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to help at harrys.com. Ask for Darren. I'm here probably more days than I should be, but happy to have a conversation. Um, you can also reach out to me, email at darren.major at harrys.com. Perfect. Darren. Appreciate your time. Obviously, everyone that tuned in, thank you as well. Per usual, make sure you do the, everything I always ask, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. On whichever do it podcast all. platform you have, all of them, on uh, whichever podcast platform you prefer, or head over to theecomshow.com to check out all of our previous episodes. But as usual, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to The Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker, a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.